Hi, this is Mary Purdy, and today we'll be mapping sustainable food systems on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on how to use the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Mary Purdy. Mary Purdy, integrative and eco-dietitian, holds a master's degree from Bastyr University, where she is currently adjunct faculty. She has been in clinical practice for over 12 years in both private practice and as a clinical supervisor at Bastyr's teaching clinic using a personalized medicine and functional nutrition approach. She has given over 100 nutrition workshops, speaks regularly at health and nutrition conferences, and was the keynote speaker at Bastyr University's commencement ceremony in 2019. She serves on the boards of Hunger and Environmental Nutrition and Dietitians in Integrative and Functional Medicine, which she chaired in 2018. Additionally, she hosts the podcast, The Nutrition Show, authored the books Serving the Broccoli Gods and the new book, The Microbiome Reset Diet, and is a tireless advocate for a sustainable food system that supports our environment and helps to mitigate climate change. Four of the things I like to think about when we think about food, and I like to call this food's circle of influence, are quality, quantity, diversity, and timing. Mary does a brilliant job in this episode of highlighting the importance of quality from a very key factor, sustainability. Let's get started. Mary, I'm so excited to have you on the 15-Minute Matrix. Thank you. It's so wonderful to be here, Andrea. I'm really loving reconnecting with you and seeing where your work in nutrition is going and where your passion has evolved in relation to sustainable food systems. So sustainable food systems, what does that mean? Well, thank you for asking. First of all, I want to lay the groundwork of what a food system even is. So this is essentially how we grow our food, produce it, transport it, process it, uh, distribute it, consume it, and then uh, unfortunately waste it. Mm. So when we think about sustainability, this is a system that essentially is demonstrating some kind of environmental stewardship. So renewing natural resources, protecting natural resources. And this applies to the processing, uh, the consumption, the waste, all of that. A sustainable food system is also about serving and fulfilling the needs of people now and in the future meaning we not we're not just focused on today we're focused on you know 10 generations down down the path and this is about social justice equity this is about animal welfare and then lastly a sustainable food system is about community so it's one that's inclusive it builds the community it taps into traditional farming um and 
helps to ensure that people have economic stability, environmental stability, and and social community. So it it's a, it's a quite an expansive term, and I think it's constantly evolving as well. I love it, and I love thinking about how we make these decisions now that serve us later. If we kind of head over to the left side of the matrix and think about the story of sustainable food systems, is there any evidence? I'm sure there is, but like, what is the evidence that we see that our ancestors were partaking in sustainability before they were using that terminology? Yeah, the kind of farming practices that I'm talking about, which are really conserving the soil and working with nature as opposed to against nature, has been something that's been in play for centuries, for thousands of years, essentially. And that has shifted because of a drive for yield, a drive for profit. Um, you can say economic instability, racism, poverty. That has that has driven the change. But ultimately, the way that we used to farm way, way, way back when gosh, our, our great, great ancestors were gathering food, uh, growing food. That was always seen as sustainable because it was about community and, and local and uh, really using nat- nature for what nature is meant to be used for. Can you give me an example of that when we talk about our ancestors? What are some of the things that they did that we can really celebrate and look towards reincorporating into our practices today? And I think some of those practices are being done today. So it might be about not growing just one crop at a time, making sure that in between some of the main crops that are being grown are other crops that are essentially helping to rebuild the soil. I think, you know, people way back when were understanding that 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 soil health was really mm. intrinsic to the health of the food that's being grown. And so building that soil health, making sure that that soil is being kept uh, nice and rich with bugs and microbes that are essential for nutrient density of the, of the plants that are being grown, making sure that the way that the land is treated is not harmful, so not putting additional inputs like those pesticides, those fertilizers, but using nature's resources. So how can we fertilize the land naturally with a little bit of animal poop, with other bugs and pests that actually are good for the land? So really, again, tapping into nature's resources the way that nature is meant to be tapped into, as opposed to being exploited. Such a good point, and I love all conversations about soil. It's really how I look at all health in the body, right, when we nurture ourselves with all the things we do, all the little choices, it makes such a big difference. And that's true of the soil too. We need that nutrient dense soil in order to have the best that we can get out of what we're growing. You also mentioned animal welfare. So food sustainability, what does that mean through the lens of animal welfare? It's a really big issue actually, because a huge portion of our agricultural production system relies on livestock production. And that livestock production has a huge impact on our environment, both because we're utilizing land for animal agriculture instead of growing food for humans, and also the welfare of the animals themselves are having an impact. So these animals are being kept in very, very cramped conditions, unhealthy conditions, which is not only leading to the higher use of antibiotics to prevent disease in these animals, but is also causing a grand amount of pollution um, and contamination in waterways because 
because of the massive amounts of manure that these animals are are creating, unfortunately. So when it comes to animal welfare, it's it's about making sure that the animals are being well treated and well kept, which ultimately has an impact on the quality of the food and the quality of the land surrounding them. Yeah, there's a feedback loop there. And I can't remember who the researcher was that was looking at at the health of the animals and how those animals feed the land in terms of it not getting too dry. So when they're eating there, when they're allowed to roam, it actually helps the soil and then the animals more nutrient dense meat because it's grazing naturally and then how that feeds our bodies. And there's this whole cyclical thing that can happen. Am I saying that correctly? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it is a wonderful cycle, this natural way that animals can feed into our agricultural system in a way that's humane and helpful and ultimately serves the land and helps to build a stronger soil and ecosystem and bring better food. So when we have better food, what does that do for our bodies? If we go to the center part, the soup of the matrix, kind of the full body systems that we experience, what does it do? It kind of does everything. But are there things that you've seen and you are an advocate for in terms of our health? Yeah, well, you know, when we're thinking about a food system, I, I really relate it to the human body system. So, you know, as functional medicine practitioners, we're always trying to understand what's the underlying cause of disease or underlying cause of dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And it's very similar with the food system. You know, the food system itself is quite dysfunctional. And that dysfunction within the food system, whether that's because of uh, chemical inputs, land use, overuse of animal products in our agricultural system, that is also having an impact on the dysfunction of the human body. So not only are we as practitioners seeing the impact of food itself, which is filled now with more chemicals, you know, pesticides, it's less nutrient dense because the soil is less nutrient dense. That's having an impact on disease and imbalance in the body. But then the other chemical inputs. So pesticides that we're being exposed to in the air, the pollution, which is causing respiratory issues, um, the effects of the food system um, on climate, right? So the food system is contributing to a third of the greenhouse gases. We know that climate change has an issue on health as well. Mm-hmm. So there are so many um, extensive ways that the food system is causing health diminishment in the human race right now. It, it's it's really quite exponential. If I may, Mary, can we talk a little bit about what eating a more sustainable diet does for the mind and the spirit? Yeah, I love that, that <laughs> connection. I mean, the whole part of the sustainable food system. And some people are really calling this a regenerative way of of, uh, of having a food system. So we're not just sustaining what we have, which I got to tell you, ain't so good. So why would we want to sustain it? We want to regenerate. We want to build. But part of that is about community. Mm. And when we are connected to our food, when we are connected to the community, when we are connected to the people who grow our food, we we have conversations with our farmers, we are growing our own food in our backyards or our gardens, or there's a community garden or an urban garden. That, I believe, truly connects us as human beings because food is so fundamental and food is so interconnected to nature and nature is so fundamental to our spirits that, again, if we're thinking about that cycle, there 
there is such a bounty of spirituality, of connection, of community that comes with a sustainable or a, I guess, a functional food system that allows for us to be better equipped as, as human beings health-wise and spiritually. Mm, I love that so much. And one of the things that it really makes me think about is what it feels like even to be eating this food that's rich and alive. I know one of the things I experienced when I started eating more nutrient-dense foods, particularly more live and raw foods, fruits and vegetables that were biodynamically grown or grown through regenerative agriculture, is that I was able to feel my satiety mechanism more. Like I was actually Mm. more in tune with what my cells were getting from the food so that the feedback loop in my own body was working. And there's so many ways we mask that feedback loop by eating foods that aren't giving us what we actually need, which lead to hunger in so many ways. Yeah. When food has more nutrient density, and we all know this as practitioners, it is going to fill us up more, right? I mean, we have all of these biochemical reactions in our bodies that rely on nutrients as cofactors. And when we get sufficient amounts of those nutrients from food that's really rich and nutrient dense, then those systems work. They, right. they thrive. And so we feel that it's never about the calories. Many people talk about feeding the world. And so it's just about getting calories you know, where, where you can get plenty of calories from a McDonald's burger and shake and fries. You've got your calories for the day, but do you have your nutrition? And I would argue absolutely not. In fact, you have a deficit, which is ultimately leading to that low energy and beginning to create that dysfunction and imbalance in the body. So well said. And it makes me think about the bubble too, that you and I live in, Mary, we both live in the Pacific Northwest, and there is more of a kind of awareness of eating like this in some ways. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't extend everywhere, but at least the bubbles we live in that are more Mm -hmm. health and wellness oriented. How do we cascade this message out so that people can start recognizing the importance of this stewardship, as you called it? It is critical that this message gets to communities where they're not living in this privileged bubble, the blessing to be, to yes. be in right now. So I, I think ultimately this is going to be a big systemic change that's needed. So the the folks who are privileged, the folks who have access are going to need to be the, the loud voices here. And we need to speak up um, to our representatives to change policy and and to educate. I mean, I think part of this is education. Mm-hmm. And whether that's, you know, education from a social media platform, from an academic perspective, or if you're teaching, or if you're working with individuals. So yes. I mean, even though we are in the, the Pacific Northwest, there's highly likely there's someone listening who's maybe in the deep south Absolutely. in a rural community. And those practitioners can work with patients to say, let's let's see if we can get you buying something that your neighbor grew, or let's see if we can find a farmer's market where things are more accessible. Let's fight for something different in this local community that may not have access to food. There may be only a convenience store that's providing the mainstay of someone's diet. So there's numerous ways. I think a lot of it's going to have to come from major systemic changes, and that means using our voice, voting with our fork, uh, calling our 
yes. representatives and being active. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you're talking about the fact that we all live in different bubbles, you know, Viva our love, our bubble here in the Pacific Northwest, but there are people who are speaking to those who may be shopping in very different locations. And even just that one step going to the farmer's market, like you said, talking to the farmer, it's such a enriching experience and does really foster that community. Anything else that you would like to share, Mary, with regards to sustainable food systems? I would say, you know, one of the biggest things that people can do is to eat lower on the food chain. So mm-hmm. the more plant-based foods people can eat, the better, or the more they can support animal foods that are higher quality, that are grown more sustainably, that are humanely treated. That is going to make a big difference when it comes to individual changes, because sometimes the systemic changes seem overwhelming totally. and impossible. But every individual can make decisions and, and actively engage in eating a more plant-based diet or encourage the consumption of animal f- foods that are, are, uh, are sustainably created and, and, and grown. So well said, such important information. Thank you for leading the way, having this conversation and bringing it to all of us today, Mary. Thank you, Andrea. I had such a great time chatting with you and I hope it made a difference in people's lives. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The 15-Minute Matrix team includes music by my son, Gilbert Nakayama, and production support from Renee Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook, as well as sound production by Rowan Bradley. You can visit us and hear more episodes at 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode ready and waiting for you, please go to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. We'll be sure to drop into your inbox with a short reminder that a new episode is ready for you. You also have an open invitation to email us. We want to know who you'd like to hear on the podcast and what you'd like to see mapped on the 15-Minute Matrix. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com.